welcome to Kaleidoscope Teen Radio, which is the podcast for Kaleidoscope Teen Magazine. Kaleidoscope Teen Magazine is an online magazine and digital platform made for and by girls of color. Today, we're interviewing the girl of the month for our eighth issue, Maya Whites. Maya is a senior at the Braley School. She is the co-head of Umoja and on the advisory board. She also is the host and founder of the podcast, Independently Black, outside of the Braley School. And I'm so excited to have her here with me today. Hi, Maya. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Um, so let's start with Emoja. So what is Emoja? Who started it? How was it started? Emoja is Burley's Black Affinity Group. Uh, so it's Burley's group only for Black students. It's the first affinity group at Burley and has been the only affinity group at Burley for decades until I think last year. Um, I'm not sure who started it. It was started actually a pretty long time ago, which is awesome. I think by one of the Black alums, I'm not sure of her name, um, but we appreciate appreciate her very much because we love you, Moja. So, yeah. How many years, years have you been leading, Moja? I'm a senior now, so this will be my third year leading Moja. Um, what initiatives and programs or like events have you put in place during your leadership? Wow. Um, <laughs> I've actually done a lot more than I usually realize. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is the Emoja Retreat Day. It's a day where Emoja students come together um, outside of school but it's a school sponsored event. And we have healing circles, meditation, um, fun stuff like scavenger hunts, gifts. We eat uh, black American food. We have food from other places like Caribbean food. And this year there was a movie night, um, have some guest speakers, and we only have black faculty helping us throughout the day. And it's really just to create a safe space environment, even though we are at Burley all day still, for our Black students to get some healing in and really have a restorative day. Um, and yeah, just make them feel good and cultivate some Black joy. So I'd say that's one of, something I've done. Um, other than that, I started Emoja Open Meetings, which is on the, it's, it's very different from the Emoja Retreat. But with our Emoja Affinity Meetings, which happen pretty often, we added in some open meetings to allow other students of any race to come to help build allyship within our school community. Um, and that has been really great. But we actually stopped doing those because this year we're trying to have more of an inward focus on family and um, self-love and really just supporting each other. So perhaps Emoja Open Meetings will start again sometime soon. But um, that's something that I've done that was pretty impactful. And um, other than that, we have healing circles 
way more often just throughout the year because it's something I've really advocated for. We do uh, Black History Month emails. Um, really just all I've done throughout my time at Burley and as Emoja co-head is really try to have Emoja or take Emoja and help it have more of a presence in the school and just really make Emoja more visible for all the great work that it does and all the wonderful Black students and Black women in the group. I love that, I really do. Um, so the healing circles, was that, how did you come up with the idea to like implement healing circles? And can you explain a little bit what they are too and how you've like incorporated them into Emoja? Yeah, so I did not know <laughs> what a healing circle was for most of my life and I'd never participated in one. But in, I think, the end of 10th grade, I thought we should have a Emoja retreat day. And with that, I thought, well, people need to do healing. So why don't we have some sort of healing circle thing? And I come to find out that there's like so many people doing this amazing, beautiful work of healing circles and helping especially Black women and girls to heal. Um, and I had no idea about it, but as soon as I heard about it, I was so intrigued and really wanted to participate. So um, I just want to shout out, the first one we did was Glowetry. Uh, she was amazing. Thank you so much, Carme. We love your work. And then the next one was by a lady named Hosanna, who's um, also in the city. And that was great, too. And um yeah healing circles are great and basically what they are is you go in with your set intention there's not really any technology or anything um, that you're supposed to be on during that time but we went to one that was adapted for zoom a couple of times but um yeah so you go in no technology you set your intentions um and you just get settled into the space and um, really it depends on who's leading it, but it can go a whole number of ways. But at the end, when you leave, um, I think you're supposed to leave feeling like you really took something away. And I think our members and I have felt really like we take something away each time. That's really um, just meaningful and helpful. I know for me that it has often helped me realize more boundaries that I need to have in terms of doing this work and in, in my like just regular life and everything. Um, and some of that I realized by even just doing meditation during the healing circles and feeling where there's tension in my body, which I never would have done. Um, and I'm just so happy to share that with the other members of Emoja and that they'll be continuing to do that after I leave this year, which is also crazy, but yeah. Healing circles are definitely beneficial. I know I've done one before. Um, at actually the college I'm at, we have like a TLC, which is like a black leadership program. And so during the summer we have like a two week program before and we did a healing circle. And 
it was like my first time doing anything like that. And it was definitely so beneficial. And I feel like it needs to be implemented in more schools, um, especially yeah, for sure. black affinity spaces. So it's definitely very beneficial. Um, since you've been leading Emoja for such a long time, what are some challenges that you faced while leading? Oh, a lot. Um, it's pretty um, uncommon, actually, at Burley for a 10th grader to be a co-head of a club. It's usually two upperclassmen. So I started out leading Emoja when I was pretty young, but I was always really passionate about it. So, you know, that was fine. But I think it was definitely like a challenge because I didn't realize just how much I was getting myself into when I was so young. Um, so <laughs> it took a while to adjust to all the twists and turns. And when you're trying to, you know, be innovative and create new things and not just go with the flow, um, you're going to run into a lot of problems with the administration, but also with the students who are like, well, this is new, or what is this going to be like, or what's a healing circle, or I don't know how I feel about this. Um, so that was definitely a challenge in navigating all of that. But over time, um, it's become easier, and I think I really found my voice through it. Hmm, what other challenges? There are a lot, <laughs> so it's not like I ran out. Um, I think another challenge for me was um, just, you know, with, with everything I just said, like combined with schoolwork, it was, it was a challenge because I took a lot on too. And with what I was saying earlier about boundaries, um, I think I just really care a lot about Emoja, um, but, I don't think, and I don't think I care too much. I think it's the best thing to care a lot about, but um, I've had to sort of learn when to say no, when to tell myself like, this is a great goal, but I don't know if this is gonna happen this year. Maybe someone else can do that um, because it really is a huge undertaking when you're in a space like Burley and any, any PDWI around um, like the Upper East Side or like in the city or anywhere in general. Black affinity spaces are so important and so sacred and preserving them, like a lot of work goes into that. And I think for me, like I oftentimes I felt like I was like, oh, just like at a loss, like this is a lot. How am I gonna do this? Or we have to do this. Or, your majority has to be huge this year it has to be this and that and this year we're going to have the festival again and this year we're going to have this and oh the students need to do this with this person and we need to go on this trip and <laughs> I really really thought that um like that we could do all these things and a lot of them we did it like I pushed for it and it worked out but some things like you know just had to say no and just had to be like trusting in the fact that we were holding a space that everyone loved and wanted to go to and you know it didn't we didn't have to do all these huge things but we've done a lot of huge things and so I'm proud of us um <laughs> but yeah what have been some of your successes yeah so 
definitely the emoji cheat, like I told you about. Um, definitely the Black History Month emails, the open meetings were pretty, like they were the first space of their kind at Brearley, I think, where students were really gathering in a student-led conversation about Black issues with other students of all races voluntarily, not because they had to, but because they wanted to come. Um, I also think a lot of our major successes have come from outside of school events, like just movie nights and a picnic and, you know, just like spending time with one another and being in each other's presence because life is just so short. And like, I feel like I feel so lucky and like blessed to be able to spend it with my peers because like every single person is so awesome. And I think some of my greatest successes have been seeing like students younger than me doing great work outside of Emoja and just being so proud of them or really stepping up in Emoja to help build the space because Infinity is a, it's a collective. So everyone really needs to do their part um, to make it the space that we all want it to be. And I'm just so excited to see. I can't believe I'm a senior. It feels like I'm leaving my baby behind, but um, I'm so excited to see what everyone does with this space um, and how they keep preserving that greatness that we have there and how special it is. Um, so yeah, I'm just so proud and always so inspired by my peers, but especially the younger ones, I think. And I can't wait to see what happens with them. So yeah oh and also the open letter um we well i did write i wrote the open letter um and a ton of people edited or a few a few people edited it in emoja but i wrote it and then it got sent out to our entire upper school community like a week or so after the death of george floyd um, because we really saw this momentum there with people wanting to have conversations about anti-Blackness or confronting it in a way that we'd never seen before in our school community. So to sort of act on that, um, it's just, I wrote it. I said, I have to write this now, everyone. So I'm writing it and people can edit it and make sure you're okay with it. And everyone signed off on it and it went out. It was it was crazy, like the response that it got, um, like really changed so much of what I knew really as like, you know, love to serve people love to say, um, like, or not love to say, but were annoyed by the fact that, for example, the curriculum was very white. Um, but now you can't really say that to a certain extent. Um, annoyed by the fact that like we didn't take enough time to discuss current events or we didn't stop and talk about these things that matter. Um, annoyed by the fact that, annoyed by so many things and trust me, there's a ton of problems even with the things I listed right now. We're still working on these things in the advisory board, but I think that the Emoja Open Letter really displayed um, how much struggle 
there is within the Black experience temporarily, but also how much triumph there is and how much strength there is to get through something like that. So that has given us so much and I can't wait to see um, where that takes our group too. So, yeah. Um, did that open letter that you were talking about, did it like trigger any conversations and like what like exact changes like came out of that open letter? Um, yeah, so basically right after the open letter was written and sent out and all that happened, I contacted the head of school because I thought that it would be a good idea to have a sort of student advisory board to help oversee the planning that the school was doing by on their, by, on their own after um, reading the open letter, reading Black at Brearley as well, and responding to all these national events. Um, and they decided to create their own action plan or say they said that they were going to pursue it. So I said, why not? Let's call it a, the Building a Better Brearley Action Plan and let's get students involved in this. So over the summer, um, every week we met with different administrators and the head of school and you know different department heads and et cetera. And we worked and worked to help give our input um, on this plan. So yeah, we've seen specific things with like the curriculum, um, with just down to the books we read, like. This year, um, I'm reading a book by Toni Morrison, a book by Gabriel Garcia Marquez, and like in the same year, and those are two authors of color. And even that is, <laughs> it's just crazy to me. Um, and it just, yeah, there's that. Um, what else? They've all, they've been working for a while and finding more faculty of color but there's ratio quotas that they're sticking to. Same with diversity and admissions. They're doing a lot of work in that department and we've spoken with them in our advisory board. Um, there's just a lot of work being done so much that some of it I don't even know about. <laughs> and that feels good in itself because for so long, I felt like I was one of the few people alone in trying to make these changes. Like, mostly me and my peers in Umoja, but now um, it really feels like progress to a certain extent. I don't want to think or I don't want to give the impression that everything is perfect now because it's very, very, very far from that, like very far, um, very far, like so far, but um, like I still am just so impressed um, and I'm excited, I guess, by the progress, but also cautious, you know, the school has been how it, it does how it does for a long time. So, and students have expressed how they felt, like even if Black Ed really wasn't out or any of these other Black Ed accounts were out, they knew, like, they knew how students were feeling and what their experiences were and how people were feeling negatively. Um, so, you know, got to be skeptical, got to be cautious, but seeing a 
a lot, a lot of progress. Um, and it's really, really exciting. So, yeah. That is very, very exciting to hear because, like, coming from Chapin, which similar, like, background, um, I feel like this time, especially, like, these types of conversations were really being had. Um, and it was being had during my last year at Chapin. And so I didn't really get to, like, see any of the changes that have been implemented. But I'm really glad that, like, these private schools and independent schools are having these conversations because the whole environment, like, needs to change around, like, having open discussions and, like, um, creating these changes in our communities because they've been going on for far too long. And especially like the curriculum, like the thing that really stuck out to me was um, when you talked about like the books that we read, because a lot of the books that we read in school are by like white men. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that really needs to change and we need to have different perspectives and hearing different stories and hearing different Um, authors who are of color and who are women and who are just have different identities um, rather than like white men. So I feel like that's definitely something that needs to change in schools as well. Um, Were there any like negative responses to the letter um, after it was put out? Um, You know, like not really directly to us um like if any I think that it probably put a lot of pressure on the administration that we didn't see like you students actively mobilizing against you in a public way that you've never seen before um I'm sure that um that could have been raised a lot of questions for them like what are they going to do are they going to sue us are they going to do a protest like you know who knows and we didn't do any of that. <laughs> maybe, maybe we wanted to, but I think the reason that we just did the letter and sent it out the way we did is because for us more than anything, we just wanted to be heard and have our experiences seen and not be able to be discarded how they have been for years and years and years. And that's just all we really wanted so I'm really happy about that and I think with an oh something I didn't mention but another work that I do um, it's called panoramic it's I created it with my friend um and we had we had the idea proposed it in ninth grade and the administration you know fought with us over it for years until you know this spring or the last spring oh my god it's 2021 (laughs) last spring they were like oh we should because but we were happy basically what it is is a diversity equity inclusion magazine or it's based in those values and it's a creative magazine so um you know we as students we have art publication that really but I think the main difference is that this one, like it's, it's all about the DEI. It's all about thinking about intersectionality. It's all about, you know, being all inclusive in this work 
even within the art world. And you can use anything. You can use art, you can use prose, you could do photography, videography, you could even put a music video. My friend submits her skate videos. Like, you know, the possibilities are endless. And we wanted to do that because we wanted something that is really just really accessible to all members of the community. So um, in the spring when they're like, oh, you can finally start, we're like, oh, because, you know, everything is falling apart in the country and you want our little DEI art publication now. Um, so we were like, hmm. but we weren't complaining because um, we really want to start and we we're really happy and we've been working on it for years. Um, so yeah, we, we started that and our first issue is called Bursting the Brilly Bubble. And it was about um, bursting the brilly bubble. There's definitely a brilly bubble of what a brilly girl is meant to be. Um, even that in itself is kind of exclusive just because there's so many students in our community that don't identify as women, um, but we still use gendered language, which I think is a problem amongst all these all girls schools, like in the schools we both went to and beyond. But, um, you know, there's, that what a Brearley girl is meant to be. There's also just, you know, how people felt at Brearley. And um, I'm not sure if I can share it, but if I can, I will. So really, well, I think it's a really beautiful publication. <laughs> um, I think um, a lot of people did respond well to it, but I also think that a lot of older alumni, when they may have seen it in the bulletin, were very unhappy and they're like, what is this? Really bubble what is this anti-racism work um I don't know about this I don't like this at all um <laughs> so you know we didn't really get a lot of that feedback directly but we know it was there and we saw some of it but it's like no one cares or we, or we do care but it's just like the haters have no place in what we're trying to do like we're trying to leave a legacy for students of color. And I guess in my leadership, at, in my time at Brearley, particularly for black students, um, which ends up helping all students, any work that we've done, um, to be honest, um, with things that we've done around mental health and, you know, like workload and so many other things. But um, yeah, and also, really trying to get a, a black member of the a team for counseling and wellness, which we now have, which is awesome. Um, so, so much stuff, really it's to the benefit of everyone, whether they realize it or not. <laughs> but um, yeah, we just, we have no place for that negative energy in our work. And we really haven't been thinking about that any, any block that we faced or any negative reaction has probably been um, from the administration and we just fight, fight, fight. And then we get what we want and we keep going. Um, so I'm really proud of us. And I think that now um, with everything that's happened, I do feel like, I don't know, there's less of a, we're, we're fighting with the administration. But like I was saying before, um, always gotta be skeptical and always gotta remember, you can't forget the years and years of when the problems weren't ignored and 
then when the spotlight was on black Americans and black trauma and these schools and their heavy dealings with it was when they wanted to sort of confront the issue. So I don't know. Yeah. You all should definitely be proud because you've accomplished so much and just hearing about everything that's so inspiring, the things that you've been able to be like implemented and to put in place. It's all so, so amazing. Um, because you're doing like so much, how have you been balancing all that you do like within Braille and like outside of it? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that has been a difficulty that I've had. Um, you know, I also used to dance, so um, anyway, you dance, you dance, dance. <laughs> I but I used to dance really often too, like, and it got to be like five days a week. But for me, like, I kind of had to choose because I was like, I'm doing so much here, and I can't dance. Like, if I want to keep doing this, um, to 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 the same extent that I am now or like at the same level that I am now. Um, so I quit dance and I was like, okay, this is gonna give me more time. But then I got more sad because I was like, I miss dance, I love dance. <laughs> but um, alas, I quit that. Um, and then I started managing sports to fill my time, to fill the void but I love managing sports. It was fun and peppy. Um, and I really just like team spirit. But um, then I started realizing that I was just filling all my time. So <laughs> what was I gonna do? My schoolwork and my extracurriculars at school then my outside of school and then have life. Um, so <laughs> that became a challenge. On top of that, my commute home is like, pretty long so that was a whole other thing and let's just say it's been a challenge and <laughs> it could still be a challenge but now that I'm a senior and I mean I'm lucky to know where I'm going in the fall um that senioritis is starting to kick in so um that may not be the best <laughs> but I think I think that over the course of the last year or so, I shook about and swears kind of like I um, just do work whenever I can during the day and then when I get home. But for me, I think I've sort of come to a realization where I'm always going to put my best foot forward on any assignment I do because I care about my studies. But I'm just asking for help more. Like if I need an extension, I'm going to ask for one. If I need to not take that today, I'm going to say I can't take this today, please. And I know that's not going to work in college, so I'm going to have to figure something out with that. But, um, <laughs> you know, I just been doing my best, I think, and trying to be kind to myself through it all because um, all of this is taxing. Even if I wasn't doing any of the work um, to try and fix these issues, even just dealing with them is a lot so having to be a part of the change to make things better to or at least reduce harm caused by these issues um is even harder um 
yeah, I, I can't say much because I am very much a work in progress as I think we all are. Um, but I will just say, I think being kind to myself is definitely something that I've had to learn and to really just with, that, with what I was saying earlier about boundaries, like my most important boundaries are always within myself. Like knowing when I can't handle something or knowing when I need to say no or knowing when something just like, I can't do this, this isn't for me or, you know, things like that. Or knowing when I need to say yes. Like for example, today, I haven't been outside in, I don't know how long because I've been quarantining and I'm ready to go. So <laughs> I am saying yes to, to going outside today, tomorrow, the whole long weekend, and I'm going to get some sun and it's going to be great. So yes. <laughs> um, so I also know that you started the Independently Black podcast and what is your plan for that yeah so um independently black I guess with all the work that I just do and have been doing I thought that it would be best or not that it would be best but it would be great if there was some sort of podcast that um, talked about the black experience in these schools and was dedicated to it and talked about it in different identities I think that our episode that gained the most traction was talking about Black Jew or Black Jewish women sharing their experiences at our schools at PWIs um, in the city. And it was just, it was beautiful. And I felt like I learned so much. And like, that was really the goal, you know, to just have people learn from each other and just listen to each other. And I didn't want it to be any type of Q&A thing, but I also didn't want it to be a one and done oh you watch this film and now it's over because these conversations are never over like we can keep posting and people can post their questions in the comment or leave a thought in the comments and I really like how it's like having space and holding space even um on Instagram which is kind of crazy and um as for plans as I was just talking about I'm very busy and <laughs> I have been so busy that taking the time to um, film episodes and do everything else um, and create episodes and create the questions carefully and do what I want has been a lot. So kudos to you for this podcast because it is a lot of work, people, doing a podcast. It is way more work than you might think it'd be. You think, oh, they're just talking. No, they're doing a lot of work behind the scenes. Um, but I think I definitely want to either dissolve independently Black into another group um, that is doing similar work. Um, and I'm thinking about different places that that can happen or leave it to someone um, that's a grade below that or grade or two below that maybe their passion and they want to continue it um I don't I don't foresee myself like maybe I'll start another podcast one day because I really do enjoy it and I love the talking and you know everything but right now you know it's just a lot and there's so much going on in the world people stormed the capital the other day like what was up with that <laughs> like, like I just 
I'm valuing my rest more and knowing when to say when and independently black it's so important so I definitely want to figure out where I can leave that or where it can dissolve into and still exist and still be the important space that it is but um as of right now I don't foresee myself um leading it um going forward but I was really passionate about it and I still am and I think it's really important but I just um overbooked (laughs) sadly so yeah um okay one last question what advice would you give your younger self my younger self um don't stop dancing you love dancing (laughs) like literally I love dancing so much I love ballet so much like we could have a whole other conversation about it but ballet is just so wonderful and I think like like you did you did you ever go to dance here of Harlem yeah that's where I went yeah like me too and like to be like around so many like black ballerinas and see that like that was like such, oh my gosh like what I quit <laughs> like so you know there's that but um no real talk real talk I guess I would say to my younger self um just you know be honest with yourself and never feel bad about advocating for your feelings because for me personally I'm not someone who has trouble saying how I feel like I write an open letter in two days and send it out and boom like it's just it's just how I roll but um learning to be more unapologetic learning to love myself more um to respect myself and all that that's what I would say to my younger self and to dance because dancing is amazing and moving is great and happy and um yeah I love that wait when did you go to DTH? Like, what years? Um, I went to DTH. I don't... I'm having trouble figuring out how to count right now, but I was there in ninth and 10th grade. Um, I used to go to Ailey for all my years before that, so it's like three. I went to Ailey, too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I went to Ailey from, like, three to ten, like, age three to age ten, and then... I went to DTH from age 10 to like 18. So like they were like there at the same time. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> um, so I want to thank you so much, Mario, for coming on this podcast and talking with me today. This has been such a great discussion and I've learned so much about what you're doing at Brailing with Emoja and the Emoja um, Open Letter and the advisory board and everything that you're doing, which is so amazing and so inspiring. Um, and I'm just so thankful that we were able to talk today about everything that you're doing. Um, Thank you, oh my gosh, this is great, yeah. You can, now you have time to like shout out your social media and let people know where to find you. Oh, well, um, (laughs) to be honest, I don't really have any, like, hmm, you can, um, yeah, I don't really have any, (laughs) but if, if, oh, my email is m-a-y-a-r-w-h-i-t-e-s at gmail.com if you want to reach out to me for any reason.
I want to thank you all for listening. You might be watching this on our YouTube channel or listening to us on our podcast. You can listen to more podcast episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you search Kaleidoscope Team Radio or on our YouTube channel, Kaleidoscope Team Magazine. Please make sure you subscribe to our online magazine, podcast, and follow us on Instagram at Kaleidoscope Team. All of our social media links will be in the description box. Bye, and thank you for listening.